You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have Bailey Kramer on the show, and I think you're gonna be super inspired by some of Bailey's story and how he's able to grow his uh, network through small, consistent actions, all while maintaining a full-time college course load. That's right, Bailey is still in college and making moves in the multifamily space, so he's super inspirational at a young age. Um, Bailey is a multifamily investor, host of the Real Estate Investing Made Simple show, and runs a multifamily meetup there in the Orlando uh, area. We know that investing is a real uh, is a team sport, and Bailey is going to give us some tips and insight on how he's been able to grow his network in such a short time. But with that, Bailey, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Super excited to get on, and uh, thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we like to start with the hard questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? That's, an, that's the most important question, too. <laughs> My favorite ice cream, cappuccino chocolate chip, or yeah. Okay. Okay. Any particular like Ben and Jerry's or Maggie Moo's or anybody that makes K- it Kilwins. Kilwins is my favorite place to go to. Is it a Orlando based or is it? No, they're actually all, they're all over. Okay. Kilwins. Yeah. Kilwins. Yep. K-I-L-W-I-N-S. There we go. Best if ice cream out there. If you're listening to the show, Kilwins is the best place to get ice cream. Definitely. Um, so tell our listeners, what's the scoop? Tell us about you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of taking it back, um, you know, like, like Matt said in my introduction, um, in college still, and like everyone has to do in college, you have to kind of decide, all right, what am I doing after college? I came here for four years or however long, and you know, you got to do something afterwards. And for me, I knew one thing coming into college, and that's that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I wanted to start my own business of some sort. I didn't know what, but I knew I wanted to start something. And that kind of sparked way back when I was a kid. I've always had that entrepreneurial desire. But last year, I was a sophomore in college, and I was in my apartment, and I was kind of just thinking about what I wanted to do, entrepreneurial thinking and whatnot. And I just looked up the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All right, I looked up personal finance books, and that one came up on about every single list I looked up and I checked out and he mentioned very briefly, just real estate investing in the book. It's not a real estate book by any means, but he mentions it. Then afterwards, I, I really liked what he had to say. So I, then I decided kind of in backwards order to look up the guy, Robert Kiyosaki to see what he's all about. And I saw real estate was a big part of his success. Um, and, and that's when I decided, let me just look into this whole real estate thing a little bit more. And Next stop for me was bigger pockets. And that's kind of where it all kind of took off. Yeah. So you mentioned the entrepreneurial itch at a young age. Just curious, like, is there something that caused that or drove that? Did you come from a family of entrepreneurs or where did that come from? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it came from me taking in from my environment things that I liked and what I didn't like and just wanting to improve it. So stuff that I didn't necessarily like or I didn't really want for myself was my parents are actually not entrepreneurs. So they had the nine to five. And just from that experience, that was something that I knew I didn't want. I didn't want to be constrained to, you know, a certain time, a certain place, all that kind of thing. So that was one big factor for me that 
I just always knew I wanted to control my own destiny in a way. And then the other factor too, I always just loved the idea of business like Shark Tank ever since I could remember was like my favorite show. You know, I can go on and on about that show, but just like little inspirations like that. And me seeing that the path to personal like freedom, time constraint freedom and where I want to be, that all came from being in control. And to me, being in control was entrepreneurship. So that's kind of how it all all built out over the years. Yeah, I love that because like one of my biggest things is money, it, it's a tool. It should fulfill your life's purpose. And for most of us that we only get so much time on this earth and we want to go spend that time doing the things that we love. So really it's all about backwards engineering. Like how do you buy the life that you want to live more than how do I become the next billionaire or whatever? So we, li we live in a... It, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee and he talks about it all the time. Like we live in such a cool time now where being an entrepreneur is cool and not only cool, but with zoom, like right now you can connect with anyone around the world as long as you have a passion for what you're doing. So that's awesome to hear where, so you, you mentioned that you got on bigger pockets. Is that where you kind of your real estate journey began or um, it, was it really just re Kiyosaki and, and digging into him? Yeah. So it was really Kiyosaki who just, introduced that concept and then looking at Kiyosaki on his on the internet and seeing he owns X amount of assets that's what made me say okay let me just see what the whole this whole real estate thing is because part of that didn't have any experience with it didn't know anybody who who owned property and the people I did own property I didn't I didn't even know what that really meant at the time right so then from there I said okay let me just do a little bit more research on what this is all about and bigger pockets came up everywhere. So that's where it really started. Yeah. So, all right. You, you found bigger pockets like most of us and you get on that site. Like, what did you do next? Where, where did you go from there? Yeah. So in the very beginning, it started with the podcasts. So I would in between classes, during classes, after classes, I would just be listening to their podcast and something that was the re and it, I was literally listening to it for months, like two or three months straight, just almost every single day, but practically. And it was just, it never got old because everything I was learning was practically new. Everyone's story, yeah, there were some similarities, but everyone had a, a different spin to their story. Everyone had a different, you know, journey of how they got to X amount of units. They fixed and flipped, they wholesaled. And then with all those strategies, you, you can talk about each of those for hours and hours and hours. So the content never got boring. So it was literally just months of me reading podcasts, I picked up a few of their books. And, and that, that, that was the next few months until I said, okay, it's time to do something about it. And that's when, that's when I started using their, the feature where you can like chat with people on bigger pockets. And that's kind of where the growth started to accelerate. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I want to kind of share with our listeners there is I, I, I've been in the real estate game for a couple of years now. And I used to think like real estate was a small, like one-sided thing, meaning I would just go buy houses and rent them out and things like that. I think one of the things that Bigger Pockets does a really good job of is like broadening out all the different niches that there are. So there's buy and hold, there's fix and flip, there's wholesaling, there's note investing, there's commercial real estate, there's industrial parks, there's multifamily, there's mobile home park invest. I mean, there's so many different niches out there. How did you kind of, you, you decided to niche down on multifamily. Can you talk us through like how you decided multifamily and then why multifamily made sense for you? 
Yeah, definitely. So like you said, bigger pockets has literally everything real estate investing you can possibly talk about. But what I found from my experience is a lot of it was single family or maybe do like the, the smaller stuff focused. So I might've heard the word apartment or multifamily, but when I was in just in the bigger pockets world, I didn't really know what multifamily was, what an apartment, like that you can invest in an apartment complex until literally, you know, a month or two down the line of me listening to these. Like I, I didn't, it's either I didn't understand what they were talking about or I literally just, or maybe they just didn't talk about it. Cause like I said, they, they do tend to focus on a little bit of the smaller stuff. So, you know, listening to the podcast, they had a few webinars that I went to and it was all educational. And on one of the webinars, he was talking about Brandon Turner, the, the, the bigger pockets guy, the beardy Brandon, the best beard in the town. Exactly. He was talking about a method to scale a real estate portfolio. And it was basically buy one, one unit this year two the next year, buy three units the next year. And I'm a pretty big thinking guy and something about it didn't add up for me just quite. Cause I was like, if you're, if you're cash flowing a hundred, 200, $300, in, you know, from that first property and a year later, then you can go double it. I was like, there's something that doesn't really make sense. And that's when I just kind of kept digging in and, and, and figuring out what else. And, and that was just more podcasts, more webinars. And that's when I heard somebody mention the idea of multifamily. Right when I heard that, it was like that same kind of aha moment in the beginning when I heard Robert Kiyosaki mention real estate. It was then this time it was, oh, multifamily real estate. Let me look into that. And what really brought me into multifamily was it had the simplicity of like a single family home. It's just, it's housing. Everyone some way, one way or another knows what housing is. And it was just that multifamily, the things that attracted to me, it, it was more scalable. You can buy eight units at a time, 80 units, at, you know, versus a single family where you're primarily just buying one at a time. That's a single family. And I realized too, that multifamily had a lot of emphasis on, on a team environment. And I realized that that's something that I definitely needed, or I at least wanted starting out is having those people around me. So, and of course you need a team for single family and there's plenty of people involved, but for multifamily in particular, you more, you, you need a team. You can, you can do a few single proper, single family properties by yourself, but multifamily, you're going to probably want a team nonetheless. Yeah. I, I want to just go back real quick and say how super jealous I am that you found multifamily so early in your career, because I started marching down the path of single family really early on in my uh, investing journey. And it's been great, right? I, I own 10 single family homes today and like right. it's been phenomenal, but there's a couple things that new investors aren't aware of with single family. One is that all the mortgages that you get from a big bank are really just, they're just underwriting it and creating the mortgage. And then they're selling it back to the institutions of Fannie and Freddie. And at a certain point, you can't sell those back anymore. I think it's up to 10. And that's where I ran into after my 10th loan, they were like, Hey, we can't sell these anymore. You're going to have to go find different money, which, you know, is a community bank. It's hard money. There's a number of different assets out there or different ways to do that. But that takes more time to go find that out. And you're usually not getting as good of terms. 
The second thing I'm, I'm super jealous about is um, I purchased a property earlier this year in September and bought it all in cash because of that, that reason of not being able to go to Fannie and Freddie and get loans. And I'll be danged if like the next day I didn't have some water damage at one of my units. And it cost it, fortunately, it only cost me like $4,000, four to $5,000, which is not terrible, but it wiped out all of the cash flow on that single family unit for the entire year. However, right. if I would have been in like a big multi-unit complex with a hundred units or 200 units or things like that, then that would have just been like a normal operating expense. And I would have had 99 or 199 other units to cover that cost. So I'm just super jealous that you found out that so early. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned building a team. So there are a number of different team members that are involved in multifamily from finding deals to underwriting them, to doing due diligence, to managing it and things like that. I think that's kind of your superpower is being able to grow your network. How have you grown your network so far? Yeah, I mean, there's a few ways I did so. And one thing I want to mention that goes hand in hand with this is one of the reasons too why I found multifamily was by just getting on the phone with people and just hearing their story. So I had I I, I knew next to nothing about real estate. I mean, you know, this was like probably a month or two into the podcast listening. Yeah. And I would just go on the forums, message people, hop on the phone with them. I'd hear their story. They would say, this is a general three theme. I've been in single family for 20 years and now, and now I've been doing apartments for a little bit. Let me tell you, do apartments, uh, multifamily, like so many conversations. So that's one thing that also is huge that you, know, you just learn from other people. But the, the, to answer your question with you know building your network, that's one huge way I did it is going on the bigger pockets, messaging. You can do the forums, you can do direct message and literally just introducing yourself. So what I did in particular, I was, I was in the Orlando area. So I went on, put a search for people in Orlando and I put in the word multifamily because those are the people I wanted to connect with. And I pretty much copy and pasted messages that I had pre-written. I changed them slightly so it's more personalized. And I, don't, I do not recommend just typing one thing and just sending, blasting it out. That's not what I'm saying. 100%. You, you want it to be personalized and customized for sure. But you can have a generic um, type of format for it, I guess. And that was how I started. So I would send out these messages for multifamily people. I get on the phone and they said, oh, let me connect you with this person. I said, I, I, and I also said, do you have anyone else you can connect me with? And one thing led to another. And they said, go to this event, go to this webinar, talk to this person, talk to this person. And you know, you talk to enough people and you kind of, it, multifamily, it's a, it's a small, it's a very big community, but once you're, once you know a few people, like we were just talking about actually before the yeah. show, you're yeah. like one per. you think like this person's so um, far away from you, but really, you know, chances are, you know, somebody that knows that person. So that's kind of what I noticed. And yeah, so that was, that was the very beginning of the networking is just talking to people, connecting with their friends, their people, and just going to these different, different events. That's what kickstarted it for me. Yeah, I, I, I love what you said there. I mean, it, with the tools that are available today on the internet, you can really narrow down your focus on someone you're looking for. I'm looking for somebody that's in Orlando that does multifamily, that has 100 units, that 
is, is right. lives in this zip code or whatever. So I, I love that you're narrowing down your search and getting very specific on who you're looking for. I would also like to insert in there because we connected that way as well as me just listening to a show and I, I listened to you on there and I, I found something in common. I live in Tampa, you live in Orlando. I listened to you on the show. So my template or my uh, body was pretty similar. Like, hey, Bailey, I'm in, in, in investing in real estate too. I'd love to right. connect. But I picked out something specific, like I live in Tampa and you live in Orlando. And then I tried to add value around what you're doing for the multifamily space. But how do people get over the, the roadblock or the kind of thought in their mind that that's scary to them, that they don't know about reaching out? Well, I would say the first, if you're, if no, be nervous is totally normal. And I remember the first person I reached out to and I got a, I got a response back. I was blown away. I was like, this person's going to talk to me. I was like, I was blown out of my mind. So I would say a few things. One, if you're super nervous, give me a call. I'll give my information out at the end of the show. And um, I can be your first, your first one. If, if you're, if you're that nervous, I'm not, I'm not too scary. I don't think no. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would say you just have to do it. It's the first one is going to be super scary. You, you can't really, you can't really get over that. But once you do the first one, you do the second one, it's, it's just totally natural after, after you do a few. So, you know, and, and that's the other thing too, everything about real estate investing or, and really anything in life is super nerve wracking before you do it. But out of everything in, in real estate, everything's going to be a little bit like, whoa, I'm looking at this size. No, you go from a, a single family to a duplex. It's going to be a little bit of a jump. You go from not talking to anybody to somebody, it's going to be a jump. So you just really have to make, it's, it's a small jump, but you have to make it and know that there's going to be a lot more jumps going forward, especially if you're very serious about the real estate game. There's going to be so many different types of people you need to talk to. So you just got to do it. Yeah, the one thing I would add there too it, it, that has helped me is that it's the old Gary Vee philosophy of there's 8 billion people on this earth, right? And it's, so if you don't connect with someone or a call doesn't go well or something like that, it's going to be okay. Like it's a stranger on the internet at the end of the day and you probably will never run into him again. You learned, you got better at it. And as long as you're committed to the habit of reaching out to people, there's nothing that I do uh, habitually that I don't become better at over time. So I just got to recognize that that was my learning lesson. What did I not like and how do I keep moving forward? Um, also, so you reach out to these people, you've made a connection. Like, how are you maintaining your relationships? Because like the first initial conversation is great, but how do you, how do you follow up with people after that to keep your name top of their mind? Yeah, and that's the, really the most important part because I've had times where people reach out to me months after I talk to them and I have no idea who they are. When, when yeah. I see their name on the phone, on my email, on the LinkedIn post, whatever it may be. But you know, the, where I'm going with this is I have a CRM that I use and that's, I, I use monday.com right now. Uh, it's, it's a platform. I don't not recommend it. I don't highly recommend it. I'm kind of indifferent about it. It's not built really to be a CRM, but the whole point is it doesn't really matter what you use. You can use an Excel file if you need, um, whatever it may be, but having some type of way that you can keep track of your contacts and take, taking notes about 
your conversation, who they are, what they like. That's going to be key because a month down the line, I like to follow up four to six weeks typically. And if I have notes about a conversation or things about them, I can check in on it, check in on them. And it makes it a lot more personalized than just a, hey, haven't spoken in a while. How's everything going? That's all right too. But if you can say either if they have kids, if they have a hobby, if they went on vacation somewhere, something that they mentioned that you can just ask about, it, it, it definitely heightens the conversation and the relationship. Yeah. Um, Jordan Harbinger, I think is his last name, has a show where he talks about like how he processes networking and like how he goes through his networking. He's one okay. of the networkers out there. Um, and he says like, people think that if I put them in a tool and remind myself to follow up with them and things like that, it's inauthentic. And actually it's very authentic. He, he goes down the argument of the fact that you would remember to call someone and put them in a system that they were important enough to you that you didn't want to forget about them shows the importance to them. I had a old uh, sales VP when I first started my career that talked about every Friday at 2 p.m. He would be done with work for the week. And what he would do is he had a stack of business cards on his desk and he would start at the top and be like, hey, Bailey, I haven't chatted with you in a while. How are things going with your world? Remind me again, what's important with your business? Where can I add value to you? And then he put that card on the bottom and he'd go to the next one. And he just cycled through people like that. And again, it's just top of mind and, and people can't do business with you unless they know who you are and what you're working on. So that's- 100%. I love that. I would love to chat with you offline about the monday.com too, because that's one Definitely. piece that I'm still trying to figure out is like how I do that. Um, so that's fantastic. I mean, one of the things that I'm super inspired by, and I'm going to shift gears on you real quick, is your morning routine. So 2020 has been an interesting year for me, and I've adjusted my morning routine and seen some tremendous results on it. But first, can you tell us, like, why is a morning routine important for you? Yeah. So a morning routine is something that is newer to me. So like nine months new, I guess now. But I've always been a morning person. I've always liked to get up early in the morning, work out, just, I, I've been a morning person, so it's not too new to me in that sense. But when I was first getting into the whole real estate thing, kind of the step after I started networking with the multifamily people over the phone, I found what happened to be my first mentor at the time, a guy who was a few years older than me. And he asked me, you know, what's, what kind of routines do you have? And I was like, uh, no, nothing really. Uh, I was waking up at, 8 a.m., which is not early or late. It's all personal, whatever, you know, you have going on. But that's what I was doing at the time. And he introduced me to a book called The Miracle Morning, which is a very popular book that I found. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard it. But basically, you know, the shortest way I explain it to people is you spend all day, you know, worrying about other people, talking to other, you know, all that kind of thing. Take an hour first thing in the morning and take some time for you. And when you, when someone puts it that way, it's like, yeah, I think I can make some time for myself. Right. So just to kind of run through quickly what the miracle morning is, is there's an acronym that spells out the word savers it stands for silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. So they're, I think it's six letters and uh, they're, they, 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 they represent a different task you do in the morning. And to go through quickly what I do, silence, that's meditation. So, and again, people are like, oh, I don't meditate. 
I don't meditate, meditate either. It's all, it's not like a, you do this, do these six things exactly how they say it and you're going to be successful. It's really comes back to the concept I was saying before is just take some time for yourself, whether you want to follow the, the savers, do you want to follow whatever? But for me, what I do is first thing is the, for the S I put on a 10 minute motivational clip on YouTube, Tony Robbins type thing. And I just sit there and listen to it. It's not meditation, but for me, that's what I consider my silence. Affirmations. I have a, a few things on my wall that I, that I read. And I also write, write down my affirmations as well. Just kind of positive statements for yourself, kind of hyping yourself up a little bit. And it's super important for me in the morning. Visualization, whether it's something, a goal that you want to accomplish, something hard you're going to do later in the day, just putting yourself in a situation where you, 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 kind of, you, you feel like you've already been there. And when, when the time comes, it's more comfortable for you. And I, I, I've seen it really work a lot. Um, whether it's like you're, you have a conversation with a, a big multifamily guy and you just take some time, you picture it and you realize, okay, it's not going to be that bad. You know, that, that helps as well. Exercise, pretty self-explanatory. Reading, same thing. You know, it could be a few chapters. It could be anything like that. And then last thing is scribing. So journaling, writing down goals, writing down gratitude, you know, messages, stuff like that. Yeah, I uh, I actually haven't read the book, but as you're talking through that, that sounds very, very similar to mine. Mm -hmm. I specifically um, love getting up and just moving in the morning. So when you said the 10 minute, there's a ton of them yeah. on YouTube. Pop one of those guys into my earbuds and I do like a morning routine of like stretching and like semi yoga and just moving yep. the blood through your system. I cannot preach loud enough how it's like, waking that wakes me up and gets me going for the day and then journaling reading writing down my notes self-affirmations all that kind of stuff is exactly what i do after that i want to ask you who's your favorite like motivational speaker or anybody like that yeah there's definitely a few few really good ones a lot lot of really good ones i i like tony robbins a lot yeah i unfortunately a lot of his stuff isn't on youtube as easily as other people he has a lot of programs and cds and all that stuff that he sells but he's a really good one. There's also a guy, I can't remember his name. He, I think, I think he's a hip hop. Eric Thomas? Eric, that guy. E.T. That guy. E.T., that's what I was thinking. Yeah. E.T. is really good too. I like him. Yeah, you want to get smacked in the face with some reality, listen to some E.T. And yeah. it's just interesting because I, I, I'm digging in on this because earlier in 2020, I went through my COVID funk. I think everybody's gone through a little bit of a mm -hmm. downtime during 2020 where they've kind of had to pull themselves out of it a little bit. And I recognized that the first thing I was doing in the morning is I was making food and watching YouTube clips. And it was usually like the world's going to hell, finance related. It just, you know, random things that weren't moving me forward. So I decided to change that up and switch that up and move to these like 10 minute motivational speeches while doing a little bit of exercise and movement. Game changer. It was a game changer. And then the second thing I'll say to that is the journaling. That seems very foo-foo. And I always thought it was a little foo-foo for me, yeah. a little too fluffy for me. And then I heard someone say, your brain is meant to process, not to store. 
And so when you store things in your brain, you are, you are, carp you are uh, degrading the ability for it to process things and make decisions. And that clicked for me. And ever since I've been doing the journaling, man, my thinking's a lot clearer. I don't stress about things or don't worry about things as much just from putting it down on paper. Right. Yep. Totally agree. And so, I, I, I think it's, I think it's common for a lot of people to say, here's another guy talking about journaling. Here's another guy talking about, and everyone, I think most people think that way in the beginning. I thought that way in the beginning and you know, something like something like meditation, I still don't fully meditate. That's something that I still hear a lot of people say, I still don't do it just yet. I have kind of something else, like I mentioned that I like to do, but all these things, it's kind of the, the biggest thing. And actually Tony Robbins says this is success leaves clues. And it's not like if you meditate, you're successful, but if all these successful people, whether it's financial success that you're looking up to, whether it's family success, whatever you define the success and category you define them as, if they're doing something and a lot of people like them are doing something, it's something that you should check out at the very least, at the very least. Yeah. What is it? Um, all man's troubles come from his inability to sit in a room quietly by himself. Like <laughs> when you're in a meditative state and I don't even like meditation is not the hums and haws and the Buddhist stuff. It's like right. sitting there by yourself in your own thoughts and thinking through things. It's amazing how much clarity you get from just that little bit. We're distracted so much by phones and beeps and buzzes and social media and all this kind of stuff. Like it's been a, it's been a great enhancer in my life, just sitting in the morning by myself for an hour and a half, writing down, thinking through solving problems, planning out my days and things like that. So I wanted to dig in on that. Cause I've heard you talk about that a lot yep, and totally. I, and I love that. Um, the last thing I would say on that too, and I'm going on a tangent, so I apologize about that is discipline is the best form of self love you can give. So when you said waking up early and going through your routine, I am a little bit overstructured. Some people would tell you <laughs> in my life, and it's because I believe in loving myself and that's how I love myself. So, um, so I, last thing I want to touch on is your meetup. So how did you get involved in hosting a meetup? Because to me, that seems like, oh, I've got to be some big wig, whatever to, to have a meetup. How, how did you transition to having a meetup? Yep. And, and what, like what you just said, I didn't think that I, that, 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 those were my thoughts. I thought, I know maybe in two years when I have some experience, maybe, you know, I, I, I can't do this. I don't have any experience, but how it kind of started was when COVID was starting to hit was when I was getting like super into like taking some steps in, in real estate. I was kind of past the, all right, I've heard enough podcast point and let's like ready to take some action network with, with some serious players. And at the time I was like, oh, the, you know, COVID just hit, all the meetups just shut down basically. And people didn't know how long COVID was gonna go on for. So they were just like, we'll take, we'll take a few weeks off. We'll take a, a few months off. You know, it's not gonna last that long. Well, turns out, you know, the shutdown, the shutdowns lasted longer than people anticipated right away. So people, so in the beginning, especially, I was just hungry. I was like, I still want to meet these people. I want to network with people, but everyone shut down their meetups. So I was talking to a real estate multifamily investor that I've just networked with previous through just networking. And I was, he, he was telling me about a meetup he hosted. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Maybe I'll do that. 
next year, you know, in, in, down, down the road. And he's like, why don't you do it now? And I was like, huh? Like, what do, what do you mean? Like, I host the meetup now? And I'm like, I, I don't have any experience. He goes, you know, and then he kind of broke it down for me and, and kind of, you know, took away the fog from my eyes. And something that I found super important is you don't need to be an expert to do, to host something like a meetup. You don't need to be an expert to have a podcast either. The whole, the whole point of it is you're bringing people together and you don't have to have, you don't have to have a certain amount of experience to do that. And that's really just it. You're facilitating a conversation at the most. And at the time I said, wow, you're totally right. Let me, let me, let me make this happen. And, and that, that, that's what we did. Yeah. And if anybody's out there and they're like, I think I want to do that, but I don't know. I don't think I'm still qualified based off of that answer. What I would tell you is like putting that together is hard. You've got to secure a spot, secure a time, message people, track RSVPs, align a speaker. That speaker might back out at the last minute. Like all of that, you don't have to own a billion dollars of real estate. Like if you can manage that, that adds value to me as an investor, that adds value to your speaker that wants to get their message out, et cetera. So I, I just love how you, you have started so early, but I've just jumped in from, I'm going to message people on bigger pockets and listen to, to I'm just going to host a, a meetup. And right now during COVID, like people don't even have to be in Orlando. Your reach exactly. is phenomenal because of that. And now all of a sudden things are starting to come to you as opposed to you having to find them out, which is massive. Right. And let me just kind of tie in the three main things we we're talking about too, is the networking, the CRM and the meetup. So at first I was networking and when I was networking, I needed to track these people. So that's where the CRM came in place. So by the time a few months down the road, when I said, okay, I'm ready for the meetup. I already had a list of a few hundred people, literally a few hundred people that I could just directly invite because I already had them on the CRM. So, and, and, and when I first started to network with them and put them in my CRM, I wasn't, I didn't even know what a meetup was. You know, like I, I wasn't thinking meetup, but you never know that, that so, Basically where I'm going with this is the networking piece is the number one thing because you'll never know who you'll need, what market you're going to look in, you know, what you want to invite them to, whatever it may be. So start with that network networking piece and you know, that, that, that'll be the most valuable thing when you want to pivot to something else. hundred percent. Bailey, you're going to be such a power broker later in your life. It's going to be awesome because <laughs> you've got all these connections already. That's awesome. I want to uh, switch gears and go into our last form segment of the show here. It's the same five questions we ask everyone. Um, so the first question is, what is your favorite book? Yeah, my favorite book, hands down, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, I just want to say for the people who've already read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because most time when I tell that to people, they say, oh, yep, yep, yep. So if you've already read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, my next favorite book is The Go-Giver. Can't remember who writes it, who wrote it. But The Go-Giver is another really good book. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let me ask you about uh, Kiyosaki real quick on Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have you ever read uh, Cashflow Quadrant? Yep. Yeah, I've read that one too. Yeah. I actually think that one's a little bit better from a mindset shift standpoint. And I've, I've really enjoyed that one. Yeah. that's Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people say they like that one better. I personally am sticking with the, the original Rich Dad Poor Dad, but also such a powerful book. Love it. Um, so we went through your morning routine, but another question I like to ask people, everyone is what's something you do every single day? Yeah, for me, just trying to move forward in, in, 
any way possible. Like I, I write down in my journal, how can I get 1% better? So moving the needle forward any way over time is going to be huge. Some days, of course, I'm more lazy than others. Something, sometimes I don't want to, but I know that if I can get one thing done, move one thing forward, that will be the most important piece going, going forward. A hundred percent. And, and I'm really big into like Ironman and long distance triathlons and things like that. And people think I must have all this energy or super fit or whatever. And it's exactly that. It's like, no, I just committed to, I'm going to do it every day. And even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to put on my shoes and at least do five minutes of it to show myself that I can stay committed to the goal. So I love that. Um, What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Wow. That's a good question. And wow. Best piece of advice. I've gotten a lot of advice, but I'm going to, I'm going to change it just a little bit because this is something that's super important is I've gotten so much advice from people, um, people like that I network with on the phone, people that I don't really know that well. So I would say, take this as your biggest piece of advice is don't just blindly take advice from people just because they own 2000 doors, just because they have X amount of everyone's goals and opinion goals are different. So the number one thing that, and I I always try to tell this to everyone and sometimes I I forget about it, but you want to make sure that when you're taking advice from somebody, they have similar goals, similar path as you do. Because I've gotten advice from people who tell me to no go get a go get a W two first. But if if you if you truly know me, and after this podcast, you can probably tell I'm an I'm I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I don't want so for someone just because they have two thousand doors, they're telling me that that doesn't give it any any credibility. It it all comes down to you and your personal beliefs and what you want for yourself. So I I would say I would I would say that's the most important thing is just be cautious of taking advice from, from people who don't know you or, or don't have a similar path and mindset as you do. Yeah. I, I love that because 2020 has also been a contentious year where we don't even listen to what other people have to say. And if I could put words in your mouth, it sounds like, no, listen to what they have to say, but recognize how much of that aligns with where you're trying to go or what's important to you. And before you decide to receive it, Jim Rohn talks about that a lot. He talks a lot about like, I can't know what's out there unless I receive all of it and then accept what I want. Right. And, and yeah, and taking advice, like that's the best way to like networking, learning from other people. That's number one. That's so important. But just, just because someone has X amount of units, X amount of money, whatever, that's what I'm saying is that just doesn't mean it's right for you automatically. Yep. Yep. Um, what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life? Thing I'm most proud of in my life. I think something that I've, I, I'm, I'm proud of is I, I like to, I like to impact other people. And one way that I try to do so is, you know, in, inspiration, but empowering too. So something that takes some, some guts, I guess, is like, you know, there's not too many people that jump into multifamily when they're when they're 20 or whatever age they may be. There's people that do it earlier, later, whatever it may be. But something that really that that gives me a lot of that good energy is when another 20 year old or 25 year old, however old they may be, but they hear they hear my story and what I'm going what I'm doing, and 
it charges them to do something as well. So that that's that's what I that's what kind of keeps me going too. Is I, I love I love hearing that I, I inspired or motivated someone because I know that they can do it and and it's something that it's it's all it's all in the head. So, and, and it happened for me too. I didn't know it was possible until I saw somebody else do it. So kind of just giving that back is something that's super important. Yeah, be the change you want to see in the world kind of thing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, last question. If we, if you could sit down and have a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Yeah, there's, there's a ton of, ton of cool people that I'd want to meet and, and bowl of ice cream. Amazing. I think if we're going to, I'm, I'm going to change it up and not really go on the business side of things on the real estate side of things. I'm going to go on the sports side of things. I'm a huge LeBron James fan. And he also has his business ventures too, which is super cool. So overall, I would say sit down with LeBron James, talk basketball, talk leadership, talk sports, and then also, you know, branding and everything he has going on on the side too. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't be a controversial figure as much as he is, but I'll say <laughs> poor kid from the hood grows up, gets handed $20 million as a young guy with a single mother and all that kind of stuff. You never heard any controversy from him, still with the same wife, sends yeah. hundreds of kids through college. Like, I mean, for that story doesn't get told from LeBron very much, or I don't feel like it's very Yeah, well I'm with you. But I, I like that choice because I, I, I'm just a LeBron fan for how he's carried himself through something that most people, including myself, probably couldn't have handled at such a young For age. sure, 100%. Yeah. Well, Bailey, I mean, fantastic conversation. I would love to share you with the world, but at the same time, you're going to be a power broker when you grow up. And I, uh, I want to keep you all to myself, but if people wanted to find out more about you, what's the best way they can find out more about you and get a hold of you? Yeah. The two best ways are either LinkedIn or Instagram. So look me up the Bailey Kramer on Instagram. Look up my name on LinkedIn. Let me know that you heard me on Matt's show. Reach out to me. Let me know. And I'd love to hop on the phone, network, help out in any way I can. Awesome. Bailey, thanks so much for your time and uh, look forward to staying connected. Yeah, thanks again, Matt. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.